Hello and welcome back to The Catch. On the podcast, we have myself, Michael Adams, as well as John Rahimi and David McCormick. Boys, we're back together once again. How's it going? Fabulous. You know, it is going really well right now. I see that, um, Michael, you're on your Sunday best. I do as well. John, you're always looking splendid. That's right. I always do. Shine my head. Waxed it. (laughs) You just took my joke. Dang it. (laughs) I was planning on making a joke, but I know you, boy. It's like when they like when you're a little kid. It's like, oh, somebody's making fun of you. Like, make fun of yourself, and it won't be as funny anymore. (laughs) Self-deprecating humor, the key to being insecure. Yes, I got in trouble a couple days ago for having self-deprecating humor. Um, Mary Mary did not like it, and I thought it was very funny. But it's because she loves you. I know it's okay though. Oh well, I don't love you if I make fun of you. (laughs) I appreciate that, and that's also why I make fun of you. So uh, it's even. But boys, before we before we start, I have some exciting news. Mm. Today, I guess not today, a couple weeks ago really, received a what one would call a telegram, uh, a message in Morse code, um, a little expose about the podcast maybe, mm. uh, or what the common man might call it. An internet message? It was an email. It was an email. Uh, it was an email. <laughs> okay, yeah, it was an email. Uh, <laughs> no, we received a very nice email actually the other day about the podcast. And um, just want to give a quick shout out to Hannah Ryan for messaging us and sending us an email with words of encouragement for us and words of encouragement for herself as well. So Hannah, if you're listening, thank you. We truly appreciate you. And uh, we will keep you in our prayers, especially as we move forward in this week. And again, this is kind of a note for everyone else. If you have any comments about the podcast um, or any requests, make sure to reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And uh, maybe you'll get a shout out next yeah. time too. Or if you just want to you know, shower us with praise, we're very needy, emotionally dependent people. So please let us know how much you love us. <laughs> I will say Hannah's email put all three of us in a very good emotional state for the rest of the day <laughs> made yeah. our nights made my week I, I printed out the email so i could read it in paper so i didn't have to look at it on my computer so it was uh, very appreciated <laughs> yeah i don't know about you, so you all you. but i would say that words of encouragement are nice but i think we really have made it as a podcast when we get our first hate mail there i, I want that actually <laughs> i've been hoping someone would like listen to a podcast and be like that was awful or just i disagree with everything you said and then i would write them like an essay back and be like this is why you're wrong <laughs> well that makes two of you and one of us who does not agree because that would crush me i can't take that kind of criticism usually i love criticism too but this is like the one area i'm like i don't really know if i want criticism here quite yeah. yet <laughs> if anyone was like hoping or anyone wants to get into an argument with me or wonder what that's like it's very exciting. David and Michael can attest to it. So just send something that'll piss me off and <laughs> it'll be great. I, my response would probably be slightly more with John. It would probably be a little bit more on like the self-deprecating. It's like, LOL, you right. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, my side would probably be like very defensive and be like, well, you think we're wrong? I think you're wrong. And then I would just go into about every reason they're wrong. So that's probably not the best way to handle it, but... No, constructive criticism, criticism is actually, it's a good thing. Yep. I just we will don't. welcome constructive criticism, just not mean yeah. criticism. That's the difference. That's right. We don't handle that well. We have gotten constructive criticism before, though, I think. Yeah, we have People actually. People have told us, like, hey, do this, or you guys could probably be doing this better. And we've tried to 
you can incorporate that a little bit. And, uh, yeah, and then we don't know he's doing a good job. Whatever. According, according to Hannah, maybe we're starting to do something a little bit more right. Not right quite yet, but we're, yeah, we're I can't wait till she does this episode because she said she's only listened to the first two. And I was like, oh, sweetheart, when you get later on, it gets weird. <laughs> it gets so much weirder. <laughs> David comes on and then everything goes crazy. <laughs> the wheels just fall off. <laughs> yeah. That was really the beginning of the end when David joined. <laughs> so, boys, it's. Um, we're about uh how far along are we in lent halfway through i think, I think we're halfway through yeah. yeah next sunday is i think late tari sunday this has been a pretty fast lent i know dude it's, it's, like, it's like it feels like it's just gone by like just like that i know like easter is coming up holy week's almost mm-hmm. almost upon us which means my break is almost upon me which is amazing <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah how how are how are your lents going i know we talked about it a little bit but we're midway through now so i think a little check-in um yeah i would say overall it's been going well uh with the trying to um incorporate i've been having a lot of schedule changes at school Mm. like with teaching so like my prayer schedule all will shift with that um yeah that schedule change so um maybe not as consistent as i'd like but you know still trying to incorporate it um and on the um I don't know if I mentioned it before, we're doing as a house, me and my five roommates, trying to get better at not swearing as much. So we have a swear mm. tracker. So Michael, I think um, I, I'm trying to post it to my Snapchat story every Sunday as an update, but it is kind of funny. Like at the end of the week, when we look back, if you swear, you just do a little tally is like everyone will be pretty good. And then there'll be like one day where something will happen. But like for one of my roommates on Friday, he just had a rough day. So we just put like an infinity symbol. <laughs> so we're like... <laughs> So overall, it's been going well, but it has been. So Michael, stay tuned tonight. Check the story. There will be an update. I was pretty consistent this week. One to two swears a day. Um, Been trying to get better. Um, But it is kind of funny seeing the trends of everyone on certain days. David, I would love to see the check-in, but I'm actually off social media at the moment. So I'll send it to you directly. Thank you. Yeah, you text (laughs) me the update. I would actually like to see that. That's interesting. Um, But yeah, I think for me, one of the things I noticed I needed to do is like, I don't know if this is really the right terminology, but strip myself of, uh, I don't really even know what the word is, but um, just like stripping myself of like entertainment. I just know that I like overstimulate myself with things. Um, So like with social media or just TV, jokes, comedy, all those kinds of things. Like I was like dive headfirst into them and get like obsessed with certain things. So I kind of took the challenge to strip myself of that stimulation and uh, it's it's been actually more challenging than I thought it would be. Like the first week, I think I texted you, John. And I was like, I just sat in my bed for an hour in silence. This yeah. is weird. I don't like it. But at the same time, I do. So uh, that's been going interestingly. I've found that when you do this, maybe it's just me, but I think this is a common thing. You typically try to like fill that void with something else. So like now that I'm not on social media before bed, like I'll try to fill that void with something else, whether like it's a game or like reading just like a book, which I think is also a healthier alternative, but still, um, yeah, it's, it's, I just think it's my destiny to get over this and move forward. Nice. That's really good. I think, um, I'm, you know, people have like midlife crisis moments when they're whatever, however old they're supposed to be when they're 24. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, uh, I feel like I had a midlife Lent, a mid Lent crisis. <laughs> the other week um i had a very busy 
week. So they have kind of like scheduled changes that I wasn't used to. Um, it's like, you normally I have kind of times where I can fit things in my schedule where I don't have stuff going on. And all those times were like taken away from me during the week. And I had a lot going on. There was just kind of the perfect storm of, of stuff. And uh, it just felt like this total overwhelming monsoon. And I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. This is awful. Um, and I just had this really like beautiful grace midway through the week that was, uh, I was sitting there, this image of Jesus going out in the desert. Like that was the first reading uh, of the first Sunday of Lent. And I was just like, what is it like to be in the desert with Jesus? And it's like, it's dry. It's quiet. It's lonely. All the good stuff is back in like the city where we left. And I just, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to go back. And I was like, Jesus, this sucks. I don't want to be here right with you. And he was like, but I want you here. And I want you to like be okay with giving everything you have, which is not a whole lot when you're in the desert, you're kind of stripped of everything. Like you were saying, Mike, and the, the reward for that was not so much of like, then you get like the perfect results. Or for me, it's like I get an A plus on all my midterms um, and everything kind of works out. It was just the peace of knowing that I'd given everything I had to Jesus and that whatever I got in return was what he wanted to give me. And he only gives good things. So I had to trust that it was for my good, that whatever he returned to me was good. And that just like, it was really simple. It was like, you get peace, not the A plus. Like that was the kind of gist of the, the, the grace, but it was simple and really, really profound for me because I'm a perfectionist jackass. So that just really helped uh, kind of change my perf- perspective. And kind of, it was good. It was a conversion moment, honestly. So yeah, I feel like the rest of Lent is looking, is looking good from here on out, but we'll see. Who knows? That's beautiful, awesome. man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny too, how you, you mentioned that when you're in the desert, you're like, kind of trying to figure out what it is and it's just uh it's it's dry it's there's nothing special about it which I just kind of I think leads perfect into today's topic um which is really just kind of talking about the experience with living the Christian life and I know John we've kind of riffed on this before of kind of like the light versus the darkness mm-hmm. and I'm actually going to kind of toss it over to you to kind of give the introduction of this image that you shared with me about mm-hmm. kind of how we either stay in the darkness, run to the darkness, or we come to the light and stand by Christ. And I'm going to kind of let, give you time to kind of paint that picture um, yes. first before we get going into it. I feel like Bob Ross right now. <laughs> Welcome to my studio. Minus the hair. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the exact opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was, um, gosh, we're just like, this is a uh, insight into John's prayer life right now. So let's just take a little journey. <laughs> Um, this was a grace that I had for my eight day silent retreat over, um, over the summer. And I'm, I might've shared part of this at some point last summer. I don't remember if I did or not. I'm one of the podcasts, but basically the image was, um, on, on an eight day Ignatian retreat or a 30 day, you have the opportunity to do a general confession. And basically it's a review of your life. And you sort of confess the sins of your whole life. It's a very profound exercise. It's also very humiliating. And uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. But the, what comes out of it is really, is really beautiful. And so what happened was i just gone through my whole life and seen like all of my sins. And there were a lot. So it was kind of like, yikes. Um, but what really what stood out to me was this sense of 
all the times that I'd run to confession and been like, okay, here's all the stuff that I've just done. Jesus, you know, I'm laying this down at the foot of the cross, like take it. That's really good. But then the problem was I would drop it and then sort of sprint to back to where I would just come from. So if you imagine the image that I had was if, you know, Jesus is on the cross and coming from the cross is this beaming, shining, bright light. And it kind of like shoots out like a cone and has this space in front of it that's in the light, right? It's basically the shape of the cross and that's where the light is. And then to the sides is darkness. So I would come into the light, drop my sins off, feel really good for five seconds, and then run back to the darkness where I came from. Because in my mind, that's where I belonged. I needed to go back there because there's always more. There's always more stuff. I could never actually be healed. Jesus didn't really want me to be there. He just wanted me to keep going back and forth, back and forth. And the grace of the, the retreat was that he was like, no, I want you to drop everything here. Trust that I've forgiven you and then come and embrace the cross and hold tight to it so you can stay in the light. And for me, that was really beautiful because what does Jesus say? He says, pick up your cross and follow me. I was like, okay, so I just have to pick up this cross, just hold onto it and cling to it. I never have to go back into the darkness. Um, but Michael, what you said in our conversation um, was really interesting because it's like, okay, what happens then if you, if you decide to hold on to the cross, but we still have these experiences of like sin, temptation, and we kind of like lose sight of that light. And how does that happen? Right. So I think you had, you had an interesting insight, but David, I don't know if you had any thoughts about that, if that strikes you in any way. Yeah, definitely. I know John, this kind of, I know we've talked about this a little bit, a little bit over like over the summer. Um, we were talking, I know you'd use a little about that metaphor of like bringing things into the light, but I think just one thing that as you were explaining that really stuck out to me is that we go back into the darkness because we, have, we think that's what we deserve. Mm-hmm. I think that's something I can really relate to. And especially after confession about like, yeah, I might feel really good, but being like, I don't deserve to stay in this state of grace. I need to go back to where I was before. And I think that is just, yeah, that's something that kind of really struck me. I think it affects the way that we view ourselves. And ultimately I think it affects how we view the Lord's love for us. I agree. For me, I think I have a similar experience where I, I run back because I think I deserve the darkness or I'm not worthy to stay in the light. Um, I think John kind of what we talked about and kind of, kind of a grace of my own prayer of kind of just riffing on this idea. Cause after you kind of shared this, I kind of took this image to my own prayer life and just kind of sat with it and reflected on it was kind of the experience of just light and darkness in general, just in our own life, not even just in the spiritual realm of um, like, just thinking of from the initial standpoint of like, okay, we're in the darkness, say we're in sin, we need to go to Christ to go to confession, drop the sin, be back in union with him, be in the light. I imagine being in like a dark room, like in your basement, maybe like right when you turn the lights off in your basement, you start sprinting upstairs because it's like, yes. oh, they're going to get me. Yeah, and you uh-huh. sprint upstairs to the light and you're in your main floor and at the light and you're like, oh, like whew, safe at peace. That's kind of like a similar experience I have in confession of like, okay, I got to run back. I got to get back. I got to go back to safety. Mm-hmm. And then I get there. But we also have this similar experience. I think when we're in the light where we're not really aware of the light, it's just kind of there just, okay. Yeah. Our normal life is lived in the light, but when we see the darkness, we become very aware of it. We fixated on it sometimes even. 
even if you're in like a light room, like I'll be inside my home where there's lights everywhere. And if I look outside in the darkness of the night, I'll be like, oh man, I wonder if something's out there. What, what could be out there? And there's this inclination and this curiosity really to go see what the darkness could be concealing. Mm. I think something kind of similar happens to us in the spiritual life where one, yeah, we, we run back because of this, this fear. We want to be back in the light. But kind of like you said, John, when we start to cling on to the cross, I'm never really aware of the light when I'm here. And I think after that first in, initial experience of like just that peace, suddenly this is like, this is normal. There's nothing special. There's nothing extraordinary. It's just kind of media mediocre to some degree. It feels like it's kind of like, this is, there's mm. nothing special here. But as we're walking, we see this darkness and we have this curiosity. We have this fear. We have this inclination to go see, to go try and find out what there could be. And we become overly aware of it in comparison to overly aware of where we're currently at. And I think that really leads us into a really dangerous position in the spiritual life. It's all based on lies. Those distractions. Yeah. I have a quick question just to clarify, um, like with this metaphor. So what would you consider to be the darkness? I think it's that like, so it seems to happen is that you, you come into the light and then I'm trying to like parse this out, right? Cause we have different experiences of this, but, um, what seems to happen in my life is that we, you experience some sort of like scratching or pulling from the devil. Like I, this, this light and dark thing is huge for me. Like this is kind of like an operative image that I use a lot in prayer, but like it's that this light is in front of me, but there's these dark like hands almost with claws, like gripping my back and like ripping me back and turning me. And so it's that, it's that sensation of feeling there's a pull and the darkness is like calling out or making noise. And because we live in the world that we do, there's tons of distractions and we're fallen. So we get distracted. So even though we're holding onto the cross, imagine yourself holding and looking up at Jesus and you hear these noises off to the side, you can hold on still and then turn your head to look into the darkness. And then your whole vision is absorbed by the darkness. All you see is dark, but you're still in the light, but you feel like I'm back in the darkness. I suck again. I'm horrible. All this stuff, these feelings well, even though if you're, you're not necessarily sinning, like it's just the, the power of temptation drawing you in that direction. But a lot of times I think we get confused because all we can see is darkness or it's the experience of, I don't feel God. I don't see him anymore. Where is he? And it's like, <laughs> your head's turned, like turn your head back and then you'll see him. But like, we don't because we're just so enamored by the noise and the sounds. Like Michael said, that curiosity kind of takes over. It's Adam and Eve all over again, right? It's, mm-hmm. are you sure? Is that really what God said? Is, is there more maybe? And it's like, well, I'm full, but maybe let me just, we start to convince ourselves that we're not actually full. They're not being filled by God. And so it's like, well, maybe there's something else. And as soon as we let go, it's like, oh crap. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. This is, this is not good. There's two things coming to my mind there, John, that you were just saying. The first, you just kind of hit on the head of we're in the light and we aren't looking at Christ. We're not looking at God. And we're like, oh, he's not here. We become unaware of his presence. And it goes right back again to like when you're in the light, when you first get there, you're so aware that there's a difference, that there's a change and that you're somewhere new, that this place is good. This place is safe. But after you've been there for five minutes, you no longer notice that you're in the light and you become unaware of the lighting around you. It's just kind of, again, 
normal life. And it's kind of similar with Christ. Like you fixate on it after confession. I, I know I've had that experience in confession. You get off like, oh my gosh, like that was so beautiful. Like everything's going to be different from here on out. Everything's different. Yep. And then I walk for two hours and I forget about my confession I had. And I get used to just kind of back to normal life. And suddenly I see the darkness and I become consumed by that vision of it. Uh, and the second thing I had, John, kind of similar to what you said, you had those claws kind of like clawing at your back. And I kind of think of this image. If you're walking into like a spotlight, your body is leaving a shadow behind you. Um, it's kind of like this darkness that we're leaving behind. But the darkness that we still have inclinations and we still have ties to just because of the nature of sin and the ties that it has on our hearts and our souls. Um, I think that they kind of imagine like that being that darkness that has those claws like clinging you back like no like don't forget about me remember remember how bad you are remember that remember that sin you committed a couple of years ago or a couple of days ago like you don't belong to be here you need to come back to where you were it's kind of like that image of just like that light and darkness and like right behind us we have all of that darkness that we just let go of but that darkness is trying and the devil is lying and trying to get us back just trying to come back just a step just Very step away line. a little bit yeah yeah like he says like the old man right Mm-hmm. the uh, the acronym for it is tom so we always talk about kill tom <laughs> you want the old man to die so kill tom and as i'm just like yeah and, and as i'm just kind of like trying to like wrap my head around this metaphor i think it's something that i would relate to as well i think i could kind of see a lie that we're told is kind of like the lightness and the darkness is um like that it's not constant and that we don't have a choice, I guess that means like ultimately that light is going to be there. God's love for us is, you know, we can't even fathom it. And it's, uh, and it's up to us to be accepting, right. And to move towards it and to accept his love. And I think that's something we can, a trap we can fall into, especially if we have like dry prayer, which happens to everyone being like, well, okay, he's really not, he's really not loving me because I don't feel it. And I think it's something that like, although, it might sound like basic is something I think like, yeah, when I get to like dry moments in prayer being like, Oh, well, if I can like feel it, he's really not loving me. I'm really not in this like good standing, but I think it just kind of goes into wanting well, to get like as best we can an understanding of the Lord's love. And then I think the rest of it just comes down to faith. But even if we don't, even if we don't feel it, that ultimately his love is there. I know John, I know a metaphor you use was like, if you had like the sun is shining and you hold up a book to the sun, like you might not be able to see the sun but it's still there like yeah. it's still there it's still shining so that's kind of something i relate to as well as i think a lie we're told is that like god is going to choose in which moments he wants to love us and if we don't feel love then he's not then he's kind of turned that off and although like yeah i, I just like that's a moment where like sometimes i feel like satan can really kind of hammer in prayer too is like just trying to spread those lies and like that misinformation yeah, that's so interesting you said that because I was telling Mike the uh my uh my buddy Kevin, the seminarian who's on internship at this parish I'm at, he um he was giving his reflection today in the gospel and it was about the scandal of particularity that like God chooses particular persons and like you know, nations of people to uh enact his will. It's like the people of Israel, the the twelve disciples, you know, we talked about this uh actually on our first podcast. Um, but that God chooses people, right? So even David, what you said there, it's interesting because he chooses particular moments to love us. And I think the way that we experience it is that that's very true. He's always loving us, 
but there are particular graces and particular movements of love that we experience and they're different from other ones. And this has not Michael, what you said about it's ordinary. Like when you live into it and you become like, this is my daily life. It becomes a, this way of living the Christian life. It's not just a set of like rules to follow, but actually like a way of being that in the ordinariness, these particular moments stand out as opposed to like just the regular kind of like God's just loving me. And like, we have a hard time saying like, yeah. And that's incredible. It becomes like, no, I need to have these big moments of experiencing his love where I feel like he's really with me. And then it's gonna be this total change in my life. totally different and everything's better now. And that's kind of crazy. <laughs> like aside from the, the moment of conversion, like the big, that big moment where you say, yes, Lord, I desire to follow you with my whole life. That's like the big moment. And then there's renewal of conversion throughout the entire Christian life where your whole being each day is directed towards converting your heart again and again and again. Um, but what's hard is that like to live into that ordinariness and to accept that God really does continually love us in each and every moment is like, I think of, I think of Samuel, right? When he's a kid and he hears the Lord say, you know, Samuel, Samuel, and he responds, here I am. The here I am is a response to a call that's being given over and over. God's calling him first, but we perceive our here. I like, here I am. I'm here. Like I'm the one who has to do it so that God will like love me back. Cause we don't experience like the, the powerful impact of it in the ordinariness. So it's like, I have to say, here I am. Like I've done it. I've come to you now. Like I'm ready. And it's like, no, God's actually been calling you ready. You're just a response. And there's a beauty and like solace in knowing that he is persistent in that following. He just wants us to turn back in the light and to stay there. So you can always say, here I am. Yeah, definitely. That I hadn't really thought about it in that way before, but I know that that is definitely a, a temptation. And I know I was reading a book by uh, Jack Philippe and to kind of go about like a little bit of thing in prayer. And I think like, it makes sense. It's just kind of interesting to read it. You're saying that your, your, your soul is better off with that consistent prayer that might seem dry, but you're come to the Lord every day versus having a big profound experience in prayer once a week or once every two weeks. And that was, that was something interesting because I think about like, yeah, like where I've been before, I was like, yeah, the really profound moment of like, oh, profound moment of prayer. And then I was like, yeah. and then the next week I just didn't go into prayer at all. Like I have, I have what I need. So I thought that was kind of um, an interesting connection with that too and something that we can translate that. And it's been encouraging for me too. Like those words of being like, man, you know, I had a tough day and I'm really tired. And I just think prayer is going to be super dry. Like when I had COVID, I was like, prayer is going to be mm -hmm. super dry. I feel terrible. But there was kind of that encouragement of being like, you know what? It's all like that. You were still, as you were saying, like, respond, Lord, here I am trying to be consistent with it. Yeah, that's just a little, little, little grace I wanted to share. Yeah, thanks. That's really good. It kind of reminds me, too, of just sometimes I've experienced this and kind of like what you just said there, David, like you'll have a very beautiful experience um, or you'll kind of be aware of God's like personal love for you. Mm -hmm. And you fixate on that moment. And then every time you go back to pray or every time you are become aware of the light, let's say you want to recreate that exact same feeling. Uh, yeah. And you want to recreate the same conditions. You want to breathe the exact same way. You want to say the same words in the prayers. Mm. And then when it doesn't go well, 
you're like, okay, either I did something wrong or God's no longer here. Yeah. It's one or the other. There's no in between. It's either I'm doing something wrong and I'm bad or God's not here and he doesn't care, which both of those are extreme lies. Just want yeah. to put that out there. But this is one of the temptations that I have fell into for many years of just coming to accept dry prayer. And I think focus actually had a really good way of wording this and probably shout out to Tanner for sharing it with me. Um, this is like dry prayer is not something to be frustrated by. It's more of a, it's, yeah, me too, David. I am also in this photo. Um, but dry prayer is not something to be frustrated much, as much by as it is to be encouraged by. Because it's kind of like lifting. He always kind of said it's lifting weights. Like, okay, mm. this worked really well for you. And now it's dry. Okay, try something new. Like it's continual, yeah, continual growth. And I think for me, it's been a very big motivating factor when I do experience dry prayer of being like, okay, well, I'm not doing anything wrong and I'm aware that God is here and there's nothing on my end that I can do to, you know, recreate any feeling or do anything. Um, but maybe there is a call to change something up or maybe it is a call to try and dive deeper, give more um, or give new things outside of prayer. Maybe it's my personal life. I need to give more things of myself too. Um, but that's just kind of a personal riff of things that I've experienced with that dryness and kind of how I, how I framed it when I do mm -hmm. experience it. Um, <laughs> been trying to frame this for about the last week because prayer has been dry. So <laughs> this is very yeah. personal at the moment. Yeah, dude. Thanks for sharing. I mean, it's going back to like taking this and putting it back into the perspective of like the light dark thing. I think <laughs> we like to only talk about light as if like, Oh, the light means always good things like a sunny day. I just feel warm and fuzzy and it's better than like the gray, you know, clammy, gross days. But what else does light do? It illuminates things. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're not perfect and we have flaws. And if we step into the light, like I mean, this has been the grace I've been asking for the last few days um, when I start my holy hour is asking the Holy Spirit to shine his light clearly on the heart of Jesus so I can see it. And then the shine his light on me so I can see myself in front of him and to know like what do I need to like strip away what needs to be peeled off what are these layers that I've coated my heart in that I need to peel away so that like I can get to that that image of God that's at the center and live out of that instead of like this false self that's been put up and so when we go to pray and we sit in the light it's not gonna feel good all the time like that's what we need to like I I'm stressing this for myself, but like, cause I just told Michael before this started, I just had the best holy hour of my life. But I was just thinking about when you're talking, like, why was it the best holy hour? It might not have been, but it was just really good. But it was good because it was a walking with Jesus. Like the image I had was being a companion with him and walking alongside of him. And like, that's discipleship. Discipleship is walking with the Lord, being at the foot of the master. Take whatever image you want, but like, it's being there consistently with him. And the more you spend time with someone, the more you learn about yourself in relationship with them. So like they shine a light on who you are and hopefully the light penetrates enough where you say like, Oh, okay. Like this is not good. Or this is a good part of me. And this is what like they draw out. That's good. This is what they show that needs work. And so the Lord in shining his light on us is purifying us. And that is not always a pleasant feeling, but it's good. And that's, there's peace in that. There's peace in knowing that the Lord cares enough about me to want me to be 
fulfilled and ultimately like me, the way he's created me. Um, yeah. So just like, don't be upset or think the Lord is unjust or doesn't care if the experience of uh, your flawed nature comes to light. That's a really good thing. That's something to actually thank God for. And the more we live out of gratitude and say, thank you, Lord, for showing that to me. Like he showed me something that I was not happy with and it kicked me in the butt in, in prayer just a couple hours ago. And I was like, I didn't want to see that. Um, but you know, thanks anyway. And it really helped. It was just like, yeah, I, that's gonna be something to, to focus on. So be okay with the Lord showing you your weakness because he's the savior. We don't need to worry. That's a, there's comfort and peace. I concur. Thank you, everyone, Kenobi. No, sir. I'm just, I'm just thinking and uh, yeah, just letting that settle in. I think that is something that I know I can fall into at least. Yeah, it's like, oh, everything needs to be perfect if I'm in the light. And yeah, ultimately it is, it is the kind thing though. And I, you think about like, if you have, think about like a friend who um, might give you some of that correction as well. If like you're doing something that maybe you don't notice and your friend is like, hey, I just like out of place of love, I've noticed you've been doing this. You might not like it in the moment, but ultimately I'd say you're thankful for it. And I think that is kind of like a, a good thing to compare it to is like, even yeah. if you're not happy with that in the moment, it might sting a little bit. Ultimately, you're ha you're happy and you're thankful that they brought that to your attention. Truth. Yeah, I'm just gonna let this sit and simmer. I don't have anything else. <laughs> I'm just letting this sit and kind of reflecting on myself right now. So, I like it. Well, yeah. Um, I have nothing else to say. Me either. Well, we'll wrap up then. Drink cool. a lot of water. That's what I have to say. No, Stay hydrated, drink, drink none. Drink no water. I've been drinking Mountain Dew. So good and good for you. No, it's not. But everyone, thank you for listening. Again, like we said earlier, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want to talk to the boys, reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And real quick before we go, two quick words from our buddies over at Covenant Eyes and Bishop Sheen Rosaries. First, with Covenant Eyes, if you or somebody knows struggling with porn, um, I know typically this is like a big period for guys that are trying to, you know, escape addiction in there during Lent. So if you need help with that, check out Covenant Eyes and their porn fighting software, as I like to call it. Um, they do a really great job of bringing people closer to the Lord and kind of helping them escape that addiction. And then lastly, for our buddies over at Bishop Sheen Rosaries, if you're tired of your rosaries breaking every week and you have you know, a desire to start saying the rosary every day, make sure to go check out them. They have really beautiful rosaries over there and they're good friends of ours from college. Um, we'd really appreciate if you support them. And yeah, David's holding up his right now. So this isn't a Bishop Sheen rosary. It's just my rosary. Oh, well, I'm sorry. For the sake of the, <laughs> for the sake of the read though, we'll, we'll say right. it's a Bishop Sheen rosary. Adam, Adam Camp, this is your shout out to hook the boys up with rosaries. I've got mine in my car. It, it hangs on my, uh, my mirror. Oh, there you go. I've lost this really quickly. I've lost this rosary. Like, I think I've had it since I'm like junior high school. I must have lost this thing like seven times. Beautiful. Um, but I always, back. I, I lost it in my friend's apartment a few weeks ago. And I was like, hey, this is really random. Can you, uh, he's not Catholic, but I was like, can you check your couch for rosary? This thing has got like a bunch of beads on it. Just can you check in between your couch and then hold on to it? And then I was like, oh, and feel free to pray a couple if you want. But I don't, I don't know if you did that. Your rosary is like a boomerang, David. Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, everyone. Thank you again for listening. We'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. Adios. Bye. Bye.